So if you walked in a little late, you're like, what is going on in church today? We put the stage in the middle of the room because we're doing a series today about worship. We're kicking off this series, two parts. We're going to talk about what this is all about. But to start us off, I need to know who here likes music. Who here likes music? Okay, that wants to help me on stage. Okay, cool. You just see all those hands that went down? You like that, right? Oh, I love me. Ah, right? All right, I literally need two people. Come on. I need, I need help. Just two people that love music real quick. I'm not going to make you sing. I just need help. All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I saw that hand up. All right. Oh, you want to do that? I don't know if you, I, I, nothing against you. I'm just not sure you're going to get it all. Uh, you'll see why. Natalie, thank you. You guys good? All right, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. All right, come on up. Okay, here's what we're doing. Thank you so much. Nick, no offense, brother. All right, here you go. You're going to take this, you're going to take this, and you're going to play a worship song for us. No, I'm just kidding. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little Name That Tune. And when you hear the song and you think you know what it is, you're going to blow on that, and that's going to let us know. You're going to alert us that way that we're to, to listen and pay attention to you, okay? So here's the first song. All right, what is it? Whoa, she got it. She got it. Good job, good job. Okay, next one. Wow, ain't no mountain high enough. Good job, good job, good job. <laughs> it's all right, Natalie, it's all right. All right, next one, next one. Nick, you want to come up and take Natalie's spot? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. All right, next one. Don't know? Okay. Do you know the name of this song? All right, it's off his new album, Selah. All right, good, good, good. All right, Natalie, you're going to get one, I promise. Okay, here we go. I actually have high hopes for you. You just, yeah, 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 yeah. Nice try. All right, next one. Come on, Natalie. You've got to know this. What is it? What is it? Yeah, Natalie! All right, this next one is going to be the last one. It's worth 1,000 points, so this will take it here, Okay. What is it? Um, and it's called, oh, good job, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Great job, great job. Well done. That is your gift. That is your gift. Cool. So, guys, music is powerful, right? A, powerful, a few powerful quotes. One is, without music, life would be a mistake. Somebody else said, music produces a kind of pleasure, which human nature cannot do without. Somebody else said, music is to the soul what words are to the mind. And this last one's powerful. I love this. It says, a man should hear a little music, read a little poetry, and see a fine picture every day of his life in order that worldly cares may not obliterate the sense of the beautiful which God has implanted in the human soul. So we love music. It's no surprise that God loves music. He created music, and he gave it to us as a gift. And guys, here's what we're really narrowing in on in this, in this series is that God is somehow blessed by music. Not just music, but he's blessed by worship. And we're going to talk about that over these next two weeks. Uh, if you've been paying attention in culture lately, what you have noticed is that people are trying to figure out how to relate to one another better. People are trying to figure out how to speak one another's language. There's all kinds of personality tests that are really popular. You could take strengths finders. Some of you guys know what your love language is, so to speak. The big kind of hot topic one right now is the Enneagram. A lot of people are talking about this. You take this personality test, and it helps you kind of figure out how you're wired, how other people are wired. Our staff just went through it. It helped us a lot in learning how to relate to each other. But as you're trying to figure this stuff out, what are you really trying to do? I'm just trying to learn how to speak people's language, you know? I'm trying to learn how to better relate and bless the people that I'm in relationships with and I work with. 
And I guess the question I have for us is when are we, as we spend all this time in culture trying to figure out each other's number and how we could work together and how we could communicate better and speak each other's language, when do we kind of just stop and say, God, what would bless you? How could we speak your language, God? You've been so good to us. You've done so much for us. So what really speaks your language? And here's what I can tell you. If we were to stop and slow down and ask God that question, here's what he would say. You know what would bless me? What would speak my language, so to speak? Here's what would bless me is when you guys get together on a Sunday, if you guys would worship me through music, man, that would be such a blessing. That would be something that would really be speaking my language. And so we're going to talk in this series about what this is all about. Some of you guys might say, but Doug, I don't know how to worship. What do I do? What's the deal with the music? I don't know how to do this, you know? Well, here's what I want to tell you. You do know how to worship. In fact, you are an expert worshiper. It's not always aimed at Jesus, but you and I are experts when it comes to worship. And I hope to prove that to you tonight and help you kind of carry that over to God. Maybe some of you guys might say, well, I don't know why we worship, you know? All right, I could sing, Doug, if you want me to, but I don't really know the point of it all. What is the point of worship? We're going to work through that as well. How about this? Anybody in the room ever not feel like worshiping? Like you just come in and you're like, I just don't have it this week, man. Like this was a horrible week. You know, my girlfriend and I broke up. The relationship fell apart. My parents are fighting again. My spouse is doing that thing again where they just drive me crazy and they're kind of like retreating from life. Uh, Man, everything fell apart at school. I didn't get the job I wanted. I got no money. Like it's just terrible. And you walk in, you're like, I don't feel like God is good right now. I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like clapping and praising God right now. And we're gonna talk about that here tonight. Some of you guys might just say, at the end of the day, I just don't like worship. I don't like that God even tells us to worship. C.S. Lewis really struggled with this. C.S. Lewis thought for a season of his life, man, God must be the most vain being in all the universe to command us to come into a room and then sing his praises. What do we do with that, right? And so we're going to work through that here tonight. Now, some of you guys love worship. You are worshipers. You came here tonight to worship, and that's an amazing thing. But you know in the movies sometimes when somebody kind of flatlines and they take those paddles out and they put them on their chest and they charge them back to life? I, I think some of us just need a little bit of a charge, a little zap, so to speak, in our worship life, just to, to come that much more alive in worship. Maybe you are like, I love worship, but I don't know, I've just been holding back lately. Or, man, lately because of what's been going on in my life, I've lost a little of the passion and the fire in my heart toward worship. And so tonight, if you're a worshiper already, I kind of hope to put the paddles on you and give you a little charge so that you can kind of just be all that God intended you to be in worship. Because, man, I don't know about you, I want to bless the heart of God. Like, he's done so much for me. If there's something that I can do and something we can do as a church collectively to bless him, then I want in on that. And I want to encourage you guys. I think so many of you are worshipers. In fact, two or three weeks ago, one of the times when the soundboard shut off on us recently because it was malfunctioning, there was such a beautiful moment. It was a scary moment. It was a beautiful moment. It was scary because I didn't know if the thing was going to go back on and if we were just going to pray and send you all home or what was going to happen. But I remember I was sitting right here. Andrew's up on stage leading, and we just kind of made eye contact. And as I caught his eye... What blew my mind was that even though the sound, sh- the sound shut off, you all kept worshiping. You all kept singing. I will never forget that moment. It was such a cool moment because it was like, hey, we're not here for a band or a sound sy- system. We're here to worship God. And if there is no sound system, we're just going to keep on worshiping. 
And Andrew and I made eye contact, and I just kind of went like this with like a big smile. Like, you know, I don't know what to say, but it's kind of a cool moment. And you know what? That is because you have caught the vision to be a worshiper. So I want to get those paddles on us tonight and jumpstart us a little bit again. And for some of you guys, I want you to, for maybe the first time, understand worship. Somebody recently came to our church that has been on worship teams for much of his adult life, and he made this statement, before I came to this church, I had never actually worshiped God. He'd been on a stage singing worship songs, leading the congregation, but he literally said, until I came here, I never worshiped myself in my life. I never worshiped God actually for myself at any point until I walk through the doors. So man, we could be a Christian for a long time. We can be even a volunteer or on a team and still not really truly be a worshiper. And so tonight I want to take us through that. Now, a couple of things we miss out when we miss out on worship. Number one, when we miss out on worship, we miss out on blessing God's heart. Like that should be the thing that drives us here. I don't want to miss out on that. Another thing, when we miss out on worship, we miss out on connecting with God in a special way. Have you felt that? Like you come in and you, you maybe are having that bad week, but you choose to worship anyway and you leave going, oh man, I felt Jesus like I haven't in a long time. Something powerful and special happens when we worship. Another thing, I don't know if you've thought about this, when we miss out on worship, we miss out on impacting people who need Jesus. I don't know if, if this felt a little awkward for you tonight. Did anybody, honestly, just be real, did anybody get an awkward like, glance at somebody across the aisle while we were worshiping tonight? Like, Don't be afraid to say it, right? And, and I bet there were a couple weird exchanges, and you're like, oh, avoid eye contact at all costs, right? Just close my eyes and, and worship here. But here's what I also bet happened. I bet there were some of you that were sitting there, you were worshiping, you looked across the aisle, and somebody, the way they were worshiping inspired you. The way that they were singing, the way that they had their hands up, the way that they were just, there was a smile on their face, they were passionate while they worshiped, that inspired you to worship more. And see, here's the deal, guys. Our job, part of our job is to draw other people into worship. And here's the thing. If three of us have our hands raised when somebody walks in for the first time, they're going to go, that's really weird. But if 150 of us have our hands raised when they walk in, it's just room temperature. It's what the culture is. It's what's going on in the room. And it's just like, join the party, right? And so, man, that's the potential for us. That when people would walk into this room, they would instantly know how much, how much we love Jesus. That room temperature would be worship. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. And man, what a unique night for you to come for the first time. But I just hope tonight you'll hear why we love worship, why we love God, why we love Jesus, and what this whole singing to God together thing is all about. So let's jump in. Psalm 100. Before we even get to the psalm, we got to look at the title of the psalm. Here's what the psalmist titled this psalm. A psalm for giving grateful praise. So now all the the psalms were written as songs to be sung when the people of God gathered. But this psalm in particular is meant to drive us to worship. It's meant to teach us about worship, but really truly inspire worship. And so uh, verse 1 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. So if you don't know how to worship, let me tell you how to worship. You can shout shout to God with joy. You can yell out praise and thanksgiving to God. Now see, here's what I know about you. You do this in life. It might not be aimed at Jesus, but you shout out for joy at different times, right? The Amazon package arrived. Thank you, Jesus, right? Or like, wow, it's here, right? Like you're so excited because you had to wait 
two whole stinking days, right? When I was a kid, you waited like eight weeks for a pair of socks, bro. I'm just telling you, right? You'd like order it. You'd be waiting. You'd check the mailbox every day. They came like that with some praise, okay? But we get excited. We praise, right? Some of you guys, man, some of you parents, some of you grandparents, man, uh, the, the child arrived, right? And you were like, this is amazing. Like you, you shouted out for joy. And then when they slept through the night for the first time, you shouted out for joy even more, right? Some of you guys, you were on a road trip with your friends. You guys were driving somewhere and you shouted for joy when you got to the rest area right it's been a long trip okay so guys here's what i want to tell you you do this like you and i shout for joy all the time be it at a concert or at a baseball game or we see that friend we haven't seen in a long time we shout for joy this is who we are right so let's direct it at jesus right some of you shouted for joy think about this at a grown man kicking a piece of leather through some uprights this afternoon right? And then we come in here and we can't shout for joy about the one who came to save and rescue us, right? We are worshipers. We're great at this. This is what we do. And so let's turn that toward God. What does this look like? Look, we're not trying to draw a bunch of attention to ourselves, right? But here in this room, as we're singing to God, don't be afraid to just shout out, God, you're good. As, as the band sometimes will kind of do a, a little musical interlude or maybe Trent and Andrew or Joe or one of those guys, Anthony, these guys will be just singing over the, over the, the, over the music and, and not lyrics, but just from their heart. Don't be afraid to join in on that. Don't be afraid at the end of a song as we're clapping and celebrating God to just yell out, Jesus, we love you. God, you're good. Jesus, you're faithful, right? Don't be afraid to do what we do in every other venue and bring it to Jesus. Verse two, worship the Lord. With gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So, if you don't know how to worship, you can shout for joy, but you can also sing songs of joy to God. You can come in here and sing your heart out. And again, this is another thing we do, right? We sing. This is something that we do all of the time. I don't know if you do it in your shower or while you're driving or some of you guys are bold and you're going karaoke style or you're at that wedding, right? You're at the wedding and you're all calm and reserved and the band or the DJs, man, just blaring at like 150 decibels and you just want to go home and your head's you know, just killing you. But suddenly that one song comes on. You're like, I am in. I am in, right? And you get up. And here, I need your help on this because otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot, okay? I need your help. Like with this, let's just pretend we're at a wedding for a minute, and I'm gonna go ahead and sing some lyrics. And I need you to sing the next part back to me. Don't make me look dumb here, okay? So let's just have a little bit of fun with this. So if you were at the wedding, this is what you would do: I belong to you, you belong to me, you're my. See, we do this, people, right? This is what we do, right? Don't stop. Thank you. This is what we do, right? We're good at this. This is what we do all the time, and so. No reason that when we come in here, we have to stop what we naturally do wherever we are. Walking through the store, you don't care who's next to you in the aisle when your favorite song comes on and you start dancing, right? You don't care. Who, you ever driven next to rock and roll guy who's just going for it in his car? He just doesn't care. It's probably usually me. He just didn't realize it. But, but you, just, you don't care who's driving next to you or who's around you, right? You're just going to sing your heart out. So why does that change when we walk into church? When we're singing to the greatest one that's ever, that's ever lived, that's ever been created or been in creation, right? Look at this next part. This is, this is really important because this verse, you see what it says? Come before him with what? With joyful songs. And, and see, that's where some of us struggle, the joyful part. 
Doug, I don't want to sing songs because my week was horrible. My life is horrible. God, God, where are you in the midst of this? I don't want to sing. I don't want to shout. I don't want to lift my hands to Jesus, right? I struggle with the joyful part. Well, look at what it says next. This is so important. It's going to seem real simple, but it's deep. Know that the Lord is God. Why is this in the middle of this psalm? Because sometimes we cannot worship from our feelings. We have to worship from what we know, right? We have to know that the Lord is God even when it doesn't feel like he's God. We have to know that the Lord is God even when it feels like he's not listening and he's not paying attention. We have to know that he's God because then we can still worship in the midst of our hardship and our pain, right? There's this pastor named Alistair Begg, and uh, he's this really awesome Scottish dude. And I wish I had a Scottish accent because I feel like you'd all like me a little bit more. But, but, but this guy uh, was off of his own church one day. He went to another church and visited and, and he went to the worship environment, and it probably was a lot like ours, and the countdown ended, and the worship leader came out on stage, and this was the opening line. He said, how are you all feeling today? Now, I feel bad for this worship leader in this story, because to be honest, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to connect with the crowd. He was not trying to make a theological statement about anything. I have probably said this to people in my life. We've probably began a service just like that. But what this guy said was so powerful. Listen to what he said. Don't ask me what I feel. Ask me what I know. Don't ask me what I feel about myself. Ask me what I know about God. Don't make me sing songs about how I feel. I got into an argument because someone took my parking spot and I spilled coffee on myself and I didn't read my Bible and I'm a miserable wretch and you want me to start here? How do you feel? I feel rotten. That's how I feel. It's what we know that fuels our hearts and emotions and leads us on, right? That's where some of us have to start today, right? It's what I know. It's not what I feel. I I can come in here and I can sing joyful songs to God even when life is horrible because I know something about him. I know who he is. I know his character. I know what he's done for me, right? And now I can worship. We're going to dive deeper into that whole feeling thing. We're going to go next week behind the scenes, behind the music, uh, some of the songs. We're going to look at some of the famous uh, hymns and worship songs over, that have been written. And we're going to look at what the guy who wrote the song was thinking about when he wrote it. And we're going to see behind the heart of somebody who was going through a devastating time in their life and still worshiped. And we're going to get into the heart of that. We're going to see that next week. But look what it says next. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Guys, this is something we need to know. We are the sheep of his pasture. Now, we don't really, this this verse doesn't hit us all that much because we don't see sheep or shepherds all that often. And if you do, you probably need to get a life. But but here's this, this psalmist writing in a culture when people saw sheep and shepherds all the time. So they understood what it meant that God is our shepherd. Okay, and what he understood what it meant that we would be the sheep of his pasture. Let me tell you a couple of things it means. First of all, the shepherd would name the sheep, right? The shepherd would give the sheep their name, their identity. Do you know that God's given you your identity? That God has spoken who you are and your value and your worth? Some of our team, our elders, we were praying with a guy today who needed to know his worth in Jesus. This poor man was tormented because he didn't know yet how much God loved him. He had a hard time believing that he was loved and accepted by God, the shepherd, right? And we got to pray with him and encourage him and tell him, this is who you can be in Jesus. This is who you are. Next, 
guides the sheep. A shepherd would guide the sheep, which means if a shepherd is guiding the sheep, then the shepherd is not driving the sheep. He is alongside the sheep. Do you know that God is alongside you today? He's with you no matter what you're going through. You need to know this so that you can worship, right? You need to know that if you're in the midst of a heartbreaking breakup or if you don't know what's going to happen next semester or if your child has run far from home or if your addiction is so great, you need to know he is walking with you right through it. And when you know that, you can sing joyful songs. You can shout to God even when it feels like life is falling apart. He helps you navigate narrow paths. Imagine a shepherd taking sheep up over a mountain. You would imagine there are some cliffs, right? Some, some steep spots that are tricky to navigate. Do you know how many times our shepherd has helped us navigate those cliffs? You, actually, you probably don't. You probably don't know how many times, and I don't think we will until we get to heaven, and God says, hey, you were about to fall here, and I kept you. You were about to fall here, and I reached down, and I grabbed you. You were headed for death, and I brought you back, right? This we have to know. He protected them from straying. Anybody here ever stray? I have. I have strayed, and my shepherds come and rescued me. My Savior's come and brought me back time and time again. He's protected them from their enemies. That's what the shepherd would do. You know, our community group was talking this past Wednesday about the fact that we don't often remember we have an enemy, man. We have an enemy who's trying to destroy us, trying to destroy our faith, trying to destroy our lives. And we have a Savior who is greater than him. We have a Savior who protects us and keeps us even when we don't want to be kept. And this last little thing I want to bring up, the shepherd would leave them, lead them across rivers. I want you to think about this imagery. Do you know what the shepherd would do? You know how good the shepherd was to the sheep? He would actually jump into the water before the first sheep ever jumped in. Are you trying to navigate some tough water today? Can I tell you that your Savior has jumped into that water before you? And he's now waiting for you to kind of take a leap. And what they would say in this culture is that the sheep that jumped into the water closest to the shepherd are the ones that would make it across the river. And the ones that shrunk back in fear... The ones that didn't trust their shepherd were the ones that were swept away by the river. But the shepherd was so good to the sheep that even those sheep that got swept away, the shepherd still swam and rescued back. I don't know who you are tonight. I don't know if you have jumped and you're in the middle of the rapids, but you're right near your Savior and you know he's got you. Or if you have drifted down the river, but no matter what it is, our shepherd, our Savior, our Jesus runs after us, dives after us, and comes after us to bring us back to him. That's the kind of stuff we have to know if we're going to worship. That's the kind of stuff we have to know if we can joyfully sing even in the midst of deep pain and hardship. This is why we worship God, not from what we feel, but from what we know. Then it goes on. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name and so, again, this was written so that the people would come together in the court of the temple and they would sing, right? So they, they, this is saying that the courts should have been full of praise. Can I ask you a question today? This is like the 2019 version of the court, right, of, of the temple court. And, and so would you just answer this question with me? Just think about this. Do you think this room was filled with praise today? Like as God looked down, as we worship in those first two songs, do you think this room was just full of the praise of God? Because that's what this is calling us to. You might say, but Doug, I don't like it, man. I don't like it. I don't like that this is what God calls us 
to do together to worship him. I, I wish it were something else. Couldn't it have been like playing video games? Like we just get in a big room, we all play video games to the glory of God. Like couldn't we have done that together? Couldn't it be like softball or football or something or art? Couldn't it have been? Why does it have to be singing? And, and, and let's get back to that whole C.S. Lewis struggle. Doesn't it seem like God's just vain to tell us to come together and sing about how great he is and sing about our love for him? Doesn't that just seem like maybe he's a little insecure, maybe he needs a little counseling, a little Dr. Phil time, right? Get his self-image back up. Like, what's the deal with this? Well, let me illustrate it this way. Let me talk to the guys in the room. Guys, I want you to imagine your wife or your girlfriend. I want you to imagine that you're madly in love with them. Well, that shouldn't be the part you have to imagine. That should just be happening, okay? But, but the part that you should be imagining is that because you love your girlfriend or wife so much, you have cooked up the most amazing scheme in the world to show her of your love. So here's what you did. This sounds insane, but this is what you did because you love her so much. Madly, crazy in love, can't think straight in love. This is what you did. So you built, you built a hot air balloon, okay? You made it. You made it, right? You designed this thing. You put her picture on one side, your picture on the other. Amazing, right? You weave the basket from the hair you've been collecting from her brushes over the past (laughs) five years, right? You get up in this thing. Now you're going over New York City, and every rooftop has a saxophone player on top playing up to you, right? You then end up over this really high building. There's a heart-shaped pool below. The hair basket opens up, drops you into the pool. Ed Sheeran is in the pool playing his guitar singing to you and your wife or girlfriend. He then opens up his case and there is a diamond necklace in Ed Sheeran's guitar case that you now have and have put on your girlfriend or your wife. And your girlfriend or wife looks back at you and says, this is not what I want. This is not what I want. You're like, wait a minute, I just did all this. I just went through all this. What do you want, right? And your wife or girlfriend says back to you, well, I know you're not musical, right? But here's what would bless my heart. Like, you want to talk about speaking my language. Here's what would bless my heart. Just get that old guitar like your grandpa left to you and, and, and learn this song and just sing about your love for me, right? Now, here is what no guy who ever lived would say back to her. Well, isn't it all about you? You're so vain. Like, who are you to think that I would sing to you, right? No, see, what's going on? We know that for a girl, a wife, a girlfriend to say to her man, it would bless my heart if you sang of your love for me, that that is this amazing expression of how deep and and how powerful that bond and relationship is. None of us look at that as vain or stupid, right? And why is it then that when God says, you know what would bless my heart? If you guys just sang of your love for me. Like, like why do we then look at that and say, God, you're so vain? Like, we don't do that with anybody else, right? We don't do that in a human relationship. Let's carry that over to God. For some reason, the creator of the universe takes pleasure And you and I, in our brokenness, our sinfulness, our bad voices, singing of our love to him. Do I completely understand why? No. But I know that it's true. And he calls us to this. In fact, that's what this whole psalm here is calling us to do, right? And as you think about it, and you think about, ah, man, I don't know, it just seems like, man, he makes it all about himself. Can I tell you a few things? Do you know that God created you? Do you know he put 
oxygen in the lungs of you? Do you know then he came for you and he lived the perfect life for you and he got beaten for you and he was placed on a cross for you and then in a grave for you and then he rose back for you and he is blessed you over and over and over again and one day will come back for you? Man, that's a lot of you and a lot of me, right? So when do we stop and just say, Jesus, how can we bless you? How can we bless you? What can we do, God, as your people, when we gather together, what would bless your heart? He would say, man, it would just bless me if you'd sing to me. If you'd lift up your hands like a little kid reaching up to their mom or dad. If you would clap like you clap for the guy kicking the ball through the uprights, like you are satisfied in food and in art and in literature and in concerts and movies and all of the awe you have and how that all plays out and just ushers out of your soul with excitement and passion. Man, if all of that could come toward me for that hour and 15 minutes that you're gathered together, that would really bless me. And that's the call to worship. That's why we worship, and it's from where we can worship, right? Verse 5, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. When I don't feel like worshiping God, i got to remember that God's love endures forever. His faithfulness continues and continues and continues, right? You guys know that our faithfulness runs out. You guys know that people have let, we've, we've been let down by others, you know. But man, we are told that this love and this faithfulness just goes on. I want you guys to look at the screen real quick. I have a picture for you. This is Zelmia and Herbert Fisher. Aren't they awesome? How legit are Zelmia and Herbert Fisher? Now these people are right now the people who are alive and have been married the, the longest. 84 years of marriage. I think they got married when they were like negative 10 or something. I don't even know, right? <laughs> Unbelievable, right? And so I look at that picture and I'm like, 84 years of love, 84 years of faithfulness. That is beautiful. And yet it pales in comparison to the God whose love endures forever, the God whose faithfulness endures for all generations. And so you and I come in and we may not feel like worshiping, but we know somebody who loves us unconditionally. We know somebody who's faithful regardless of our faithlessness, right? And that should cause you and I to sing and to clap and to lift our hands and to praise God every single time we gather. The bottom line is super simple tonight. I just want you to know who you are. You see, you know who you are. If you put your trust in Jesus, this is who we are. God's people are worshipers. That's who we are. In case you were wondering, in case you were thinking to yourself, man, is this something I'm supposed to do? Is this like what super Christians do? Like I'm just kind of like a Christian. I'm not a super Christian. The super Christians raise their hands, right? The super Christians really take this seriously and sing out loud. No, if you've put your trust in Jesus, if you are God's child, then God's people are worshipers. This is who we are, and this is what we've what we do. And so here's what we've seen tonight. We've seen how we worship. We shout with joy. We sing with joy. Even when we don't feel joy, we still sing it because we know the truth about God, right? 
and we can lift our hands to him and we can clap and we can cheer just like we would in any environment that we're excited about something amazing. Why? Because it blesses God. It blesses the heart of God, this one who came to rescue us and do such beautiful things in our lives. And he is our shepherd and he is our savior and he is faithful through all generations. We've worked through the objections that, man, we don't worship from what we feel. We worship from what we know. And we discovered tonight God is not vain. He's just blessed by the hearts of people who are satisfied in him. Still might be going, but Doug, I, I'm just not there yet, man. I hear what you're saying. I wish I felt like I should worship now, but I still am really struggling with this. Well, let me just throw one more thing at you, and I almost don't even want to include it in the message because I think a message about worship should really be about Jesus and about God, but I got to bring us into it for just a minute because here's the deal, guys. If you still are struggling with worshiping God, I got to let you know that when you still choose to worship him, even when you don't feel it, and even when you're not a good singer, and even when you don't enjoy it necessarily, God blesses you when you worship him. I don't want us to worship selfishly, like I'm walking in here like, oh God, I really need you to bless me tonight, so I'm gonna worship you. But I just wanna let you know, this is how good God is to us. Even though it's about him, and we make it about him, and we worship him, he blesses us as we worship him. He does crazy things in our hearts, as we worship him. And so you come in late, man. You got into an argument with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend on the way in, and you're angry, and you walk in, and Jamie's at the door trying to hand out a nice bulletin to you. You're like, I don't want one, and stop looking so nice and smiling at me, right? Like you just want to kill somebody, you know? And you get in here, and you start to worship, and God just melts your heart, man. We have seen bodies healed during worship. We have seen people who couldn't stand each other in the same church hating each other, their hearts melted during worship and ending up at the end of the service crying in the aisle together, apologizing to one another. We have seen God tell people, don't give up on the marriage yet during times of worship. We've seen God lift people out of addiction during times of worship. We've seen God break uh, depression during times of worship. And then you got to go find Jamie at the door and hug her and say, I'm sorry, how many bulletins do you have left? She's like 18. You're like, I'll take them all, right? Like you got to now do that right? Why? Because God did something in that worship experience, because that's how good he is. Even when we're worshiping him, he's still blessing us. If you're a follower of Jesus, my prayer for you is that we kind of got those paddles on our heart today, and we've kind of just been shocked a little deeper into worship, man, just, just brought some fire back into our heart a little bit, brought some life back into our heart a little bit. But if you didn't really know what worship was all about. You didn't know why we did it, and you, you didn't know how to work through those struggles and those objections. I pray tonight, you're just, you're ready to worship now. You're ready to take a step toward Jesus tonight and how you'll respond in this last set. And we purposefully only did two songs in the beginning, so we could just really spend some time now responding in worship as we close out our night. And if we do, we will bless God. We will connect with him in a special way, and we will impact others. Imagine if people walk in here and room temperature is worship. You know, some of you guys are here for the first time tonight, and it's so great to have you here. This might be awkward, but I, I almost would have loved to have just pulled you aside after the second song tonight and said, um, let me ask you something. Based on how the people in this room were singing, how would you rate our love for God? Like just based on what you saw, you've been here 10 minutes, the band did two songs, and, and you were maybe watching the people in the seats around you, right? 
Just, just rank us, scale of one to ten. Like, what do you think our love, our passion for Jesus is, right? And I wonder if some people might just say, I think you guys are really okay with Jesus, right? Imagine if everybody time, every time somebody walked in, they said, wow, I don't know if I believe what these people believe. I don't know about this Jesus guy. I don't know if I believe that he's alive and back from the grave. But, man, these people are convinced. And their love for him is huge. Because you and I can impact people by the way that we worship. And people should walk into this place and discover that Jesus is our favorite thing ever, right? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've heard tonight that Jesus came for you, he died for you, he rose back from the dead, he wants to forgive you, he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. If you'd like to put your trust in him, I'll give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But guys, God's people are worshipers. Let's pray together. So God, we're grateful to you, Jesus, that you have called us to be your own, You have made us, God, to be yours, Lord, and we're so thankful for that, God. Thank you that we have been chosen to come into a room like this and be able to enjoy an amazing group of musicians leading us in praise towards you, God. And thank you that you've satisfied our hearts, God. Thank you that you're so much more worthy than the athlete or the musician or the actor or the author, God. You're so much more worthy than anyone. Thank you, God, that you are our shepherd, that, God, you are faithful through all generations, that your love endures forever, God. Thank you for the way that you've guided us, protected us, swam down the river after us, pulled us back from the ledge. God, you've been so good to us, our great shepherd. And Jesus, tonight we just want to respond in true worship. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I just ask you to pray for a second about maybe an aspect of worship that you struggle with? Maybe you're just like, if I'm honest, I just know I'm, I'm just too proud to open my mouth. God, help me with that. Or maybe you'd say, God, I just feel like I have such a bad voice. I'd just be embarrassed. God, help me get over that embarrassment. Or God, I'm angry at you. You didn't do what I wanted you to do, and now I'm angry, God. Help me get through that. Help me forgive you. Help me to see that you are still with me, even though it feels like you might be far away. Help me, God, to worship, not with what I feel, but with what I know. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you to pray with me now. You could just quietly pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for accepting me right now and here as I am. And God, I now be, I pray you begin to change my life. Show me what it is to follow you. And God, help me to be 